Welcome to Bolt On Podcast, thoughts on theology, philosophy, apologetics, and whatever else is going on in the world today. Gentleness. We associate the term with being mild-mannered, sweet, and tender. You might think, well, that doesn't sound very manly. Perhaps you're afraid that will get in the way of your faithfulness. Or you suspect gentleness won't get the job done. And yet, the Lord is gentle. The Lord is faithful to himself and us. The Lord effectively accomplishes whatever he turns his hand to do. The Apostle Paul says to let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, he says in Philippians 4.5. Gentleness is associated not with squishiness, but with reasonableness or reason. Maybe that explains why we see people get angry and upset and unreasonable when they don't know how to answer someone's argument. Do you wish to be wise? James says in chapter 3, verse 17, that the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Do you want to serve the Lord? Paul tells Timothy in his second letter, verses 2, 24 through 26, that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. What's especially important here is that the Lord's servant, and this means more than just an overseer, the Lord's servant must take responsibility even though God has the role of granting repentance. You and I are called in Scripture by God to be gentle. Do you want to be a Christian apologist? Someone who defends the Christian faith? Peter writes in that famous passage, 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect or reverence. In Psalm 18.35, David says in the midst of a passage on war, that the gentleness of the Lord has made him great. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, according to Galatians 5, 22-23. All of this means that gentleness isn't just some sort of sentimental and sappy thing that so many of us often want to associate with it. Scripture doesn't call for gentleness only to give us a moral paradigm in terms of guys like the Apostle Paul who undermine it. No, the words of Jesus and Paul and every other inspired word of Scripture, no matter how harsh, those words are from the Holy Spirit who is gentle. So we can sin when we're not gentle, and we can sin when we understand gentleness to be something that's inconsistent with what we find in Scripture. Gentleness is consistent with the Word of God. It's consistent with wisdom. 
It's consistent with biblical confrontation. It's consistent with evangelism. It's consistent with apologetics. And it's consistent with God. Gentleness is kindness. And you can't be kind if you're weak. Don't even try it. Weak people won't be gentle people, no matter how much they pretend. Gentleness is a general disposition that stems from strength. Our love for God and for others is what prompts us to be gentle toward others. It's not about us. It's not something that comes from us. It's not something that should be self-serving. Our love for God and our love for other people is what should prompt us to be gentle toward others. Zuby, a recording artist on Twitter, recently wrote, You can be kind and courteous without being a spineless wimp. And he's right. But perhaps more importantly, you're probably being a spineless wimp when you aren't being kind and courteous. Because God calls people who care about the truth to be gentle. Part of the reason you may not be gentle with someone is because you think that you have all the answers. Now, I know that none of us really thinks we have all of the answers. But we're very quick, aren't we, to insert our opinion about something into a discussion. It could be now that you really do have all the answers, or you think that you have most of them, or you have the answers that matter for a particular context. But then the rationale for the way you interact with someone else should be in terms of pleasing God and honoring that person through your knowledge. You can do this through finding common ground, encouraging areas of agreement, asking questions. Of course, if you think you're always the smartest person in the room, have all the answers, and nobody else is yet ready to handle the truth, as it were, then you probably don't have the answers you think you do. You're probably just arrogant. Being gentle involves avoiding arrogance by dropping these sorts of assumptions about yourself and about others and refusing to make unfounded accusations in your thoughts and in your words. We're very quick, especially in the age of social media, to make faulty assumptions about other people. Being gentle means taking an other than adversarial position toward everybody else and coming alongside of them instead. It used to be the case that I thought an abrasive head-on collision with someone else was the best way to argue with someone. But typically, that style of argumentation is self-serving. Depending upon the relationship, depending upon the context, depending upon the urgency of the conversations that need to be had, there are times to be pointed in our speech and in our argumentation. There are times to strongly oppose something from someone else. And there are times when that is an extremely persuasive way to argue. Nevertheless, in most instances, coming around behind someone, coming alongside of someone, is the better way to go about things. A lack of gentleness is a lot of laziness. It's easy to oppose and offend people, to be against them rather than for them. And this brings about the opposite results from what you want to do anyway. Social psychology describes what's called the boomerang effect, pushing people further away even while attempting to persuade them to your view on a matter. People don't respond well to a lack of gentleness, and oftentimes it's not even that these people reject all of the reasoning that's being presented to them. It's that they're put off by the pride of unnecessary conflict. Now, I know that can sound like a pragmatic argument, and I don't want that at all. I understand that you may be all for the truth and doctrine and intellect, but here's the thing. 
if those are worth defending, if your position is worth defending at all, then you can take the time and effort to defend your position well. What are you so worried about? Why be short with someone? Why be aggressive? Explain what you believe honestly and in a loving manner. And if someone goes off on you, that's fine. That's on that person, not you. But this takes hard work. Don't assume that what you say and what you do doesn't matter. Don't let the ends that you don't even really know, because people can surprise you, don't let those ends that you can't even know justify your unethical means. Don't assume, well, it doesn't matter how I go about saying this or defending this because this person's going to respond in such and such a way. You don't know that. Nick Batzig recently said, you can be a lion for truth and still be gentle. It's so easy to write people off, to write off places, to write off churches, to write off institutions, to write off entire denominations, but it takes hard work to reform them. Being gentle doesn't mean putting yourself out front and center. We're not talking about white knighting or flattery or playing the part of the emotional hero. All of those things are things that people do in the name of gentleness. I know that. These are substitutes for actual gentleness. Biblical gentleness is always concerned for God's glory and the good of others. Not self-promotion, not wanting to be light. But we need to be careful that we don't make the opposite error of liking to not be liked, as though not being liked is some sort of mark of faithfulness. Remember, the same Jesus who said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He also said, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He said that in Luke 13, 1 through 5. I don't think the people who heard that necessarily liked him very much for saying that. And yet he is gentle. Paul tells us in Titus 3, 2, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And yet Paul's speech is often very pointed as well. Remember that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, as Proverbs 15.1 says. Even when you're not on the defensive, but on the offensive, so to speak, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, according to Galatians 6.1. James 1, 19-20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we are too, according to Ephesians 4, 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. Colossians 3.12 instructs us, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, 11, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, 
Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. In 1 Thessalonians 2.7, he says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Remember, this isn't some sort of emotionally driven postmodern feminist project or something to that effect that some of my listeners will probably be tempted to say. It's the Apostle Paul saying these things under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Gentleness is a doctrinal issue. You should care about this as much as you do doctrine. Power is found in patience. As Proverbs 25.15 says, With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. We all look unto Jesus who, in 1 Peter 2.23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. We need the reminder of the Apostle Paul in Titus 3, 1 through 2, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. We should remember that gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body, according to Proverbs 16, 24. Why would we not want to edify others with the way we use our words? When interacting with other Christians especially, James writes in chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And when interacting with non-Christians in particular, Paul writes in Colossians 4, 5 through 6, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Far from being something we've added to the Bible, gentleness is something that just doesn't happen without the Word and Spirit of God. You've been listening to Bolt On Podcast. Join us next time for another topic. You can follow Chris Bolt on Twitter at CLBolt. Thank you for listening.